right, and we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Stereo Glass, we're coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, of course, the Lakers Fast Break and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. Please, 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 if you can, give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We truly appreciate it. Plus, also check out the two great networks that we're on. We're on the Discover Community Network, and we're on three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, on the RTF Sports Network. So you want to go ahead and check us out there. We truly appreciate it if you did. And also, if you get a chance to check out our shows, including my previous conversation with my next guest. Plus, also, Laker Tom showed up this week for his regular run on the podcast as well. Check that out. Some great conversations there. And our 200th episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos dropped this week, so you want to check that out. But you know what? It's going to be a great time coming up very soon, hopefully, for us as NBA fans, because we're getting a little bit closer. We're inching inching little by little towards the expected bubble and the start date for the NBA season, which is going to start July 30th with the Lakers and Clippers, of course, because, you know, got to maximize those ratings. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to happen before then. And one of the things is these teams actually getting to Orlando because they're still, for the most part, not in Orlando as of yet. And there's some great concerns because there are some teams right now in some disarray with uh, their practice facilities closed because of coronavirus. And another team like the Brooklyn Nets, which has had some extreme problems to the point where they're not even going to have a, a team that they're going to feel that's really going to be I should say competitive, really, when, when all is said and done, because of what's happened with the coronavirus. And here to talk with me today about that and so much more, including J.R. Smith having a role on the Lakers now that he's officially part of the team, is a good man indeed. You got to catch what he's doing today, including his breakdowns of the top 10 shooting guards in the NBA draft, plus his tenures as both the New York Knicks general manager and the Cleveland Cavaliers general manager. You got to check out his suits because he was looking pretty snazzy in both of them. <laughs> On his NBA Draft Junkies YouTube page, also NBADraftJunkies.com, and of course his new podcasts, which are out and available just like us, everywhere you get your podcasts. That's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And please give him a five-star review as well. I would be truly indebted to you if you could. It is a good friend of mine, been just such a great guest over the course of the many, many episodes I've now bothered him. It is Raphael Barlow. And Raphael, thanks again, my friend, for coming back. No dogs or coyotes or no. bobcats or wild animals coming at you on the, while you're riding on the bike? No, I haven't been chased by any animals or seen any animals in the last seven days. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Okay. Well, although that, you know, that extra burn... When you're you know, bicycling away from the dog, and people got to check out our conversation. I think on Monday that that we had when you when you talk, talked about it, it's, it's so funny because you're ah, pedaling, 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 like you're in the Tour de France, man. Because I think that was your next stop. That's going to happen to you. So, yeah, I'm just thankful that I'm in good enough shape to where I was able to pedal fast enough to get away from the dog. But then again, with adrenaline, I probably would have been able to do it regardless because. It was just a weird experience. I had chills, and the dog looked like it was hungry. So <laughs> I'm glad I was well, able to escape. Well, I'll tell you what. Get you in the Peloton, my friend. Get you in the Peloton. See, and have you going down. Do to, you, why? 
I, I need the elements. I've, I've had this discussion with a few people. I need the elements because if I'm on the Peloton at home and I feel tired, I can just get off. No, no, but you also, I'm also talking about the Peloton with the Tour de France, which is, which is uh, where basically they got it in and of itself because Peloton to anybody out there is a large group of bicycles together, usually Mm -hmm. in these, these Tour de France or Tour de whatever is, you know, whichever part of the world that they're racing in. When you have the group together, it's called the, the, the Peloton. And when one breaks out from the pack and whatnot, and, uh, you know, I used to watch a lot of bike racing back in the day in the Tour de France. I used to love watching where they passed and as far as all the, the just the truly beautiful places in older parts of the world, like France mm-hmm. and like on the cobblestones and yeah. going up into the Alps. And I was just going like, man, it, it's a pretty bad bike ride, but it sure is a great view. Isn't it like 26 straight days? Yeah. That's correct. Well, I think they get that... maybe a day off if I remember correctly, but for the most part, I think it is. You're, you're right, 26 straight days. So it's just an incredible feat. Now, mind you, the '90s came around and the the massive doping, and obviously, you know what happened with Lance Armstrong and the whole nine yards. And uh, you know, I don't want to get into that debate on on the ethical debate on whether or not it, you know should it be should have been okay for him to do that if everybody else was doing that and all that. I'm, I'm going to leave that up to each and everybody out there, but just the views, just the, the way the CBS covered it back in the day, because that was really the limited amount of coverage that we would get here in America. It was just, it was just awesome to see. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really pay too much attention to it. And then I saw the documentary that was on ESPN a few weekends ago. And then that's when I really took an interest in it. Also, because I wasn't really riding a bike like that then. And uh, I, I just didn't realize it was 26 days. I knew that it was a grueling, you know, task to complete it, but I didn't realize it was 26 days. And then I just started paying attention to the bikes because now I'm obviously in the bikes. I'm like, man, that bike costs more than a car that, that they're driving. I just have a little cheap bike that I bought from Walmart that is definitely cheap because it's it's breaking down as, as you would expect a hundred dollar bike would so eventually i want to invest in one of the expensive bikes and then maybe once i do that i'll be ready for the tour de france okay my friend okay i want to be one of the well can i be one of the assistants that runs alongside shouting at you in french or shouting at you in italian something like that you know just saying go 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 long as you can provide me with blue gatorade it's all good there you go. I'll, or I'll be the guy that like sprays the water, you know, sprays it on you, like, <laughs> trying to cool you off at the same time as well. <laughs> oh, but I tell you what, it's, there's still a lot to talk about. Tour de France inside, and that is the NBA. Hopefully, that's a big word at this time because the numbers keep climbing, my friend, and not in the right direction because of the coronavirus. Hopefully we'll still be able to go to Orlando. I know a couple teams are in Orlando already, but we've seen a lot of issues of the teams that stayed behind or stayed at home or the ones that got rescheduled to practice at their own facility. Like for instance, the Brooklyn Nets, Mm -hmm. they were of the teams right now are being the most adversely affected by either people dropping out because of fears of coronavirus or because they have coronavirus. You have, what DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie is most likely, or he's on the fence, I should say. He's on the fence as of this point. We're talking on the first here that whether or not he's going to go ahead or stay or go. 
But DeAndre Jordan, I know he's not the DeAndre Jordan of the past, but DeAndre Jordan did contract coronavirus and he is out. I know both of them are claiming, well, I should say in a roundabout way, alluding to the fact that because they stayed in the New York area instead of going to Orlando like they were originally going to do ahead of time, they think that's how they got the coronavirus. Which is shocking to me, considering that DeAndre lives in L.A., and then um, Dinwiddie's a L.A. guy. And I would have thought, like, most of the NBA that has homes in that area would have went to Los Angeles, especially considering how bad it was in New York. But I think it's not much also... better in L.A. County, my friend. It's not much better there. Yeah. When, well, you know, when New York was at its peak, L.A. was fine. And New York seems like it's it's got it a little bit under control, but now the rest of the country is the numbers keep going up. And I think they're also missing Wilson Chandler. Yes. And Nick Claxton said that he's also, I think, uh, I don't know if they said he had the, if he caught it or not, but I do remember that he's not playing. So they're, they're going to be pretty thin. I mean, they're at least four solid rotation guys, and that's not even including Kevin Durant. And who they're picking up, Tyler Johnson, I think uh, mm-hmm. another player too. They're not going to make, unless Tyler Johnson suddenly regains the form that he had two years ago or three years ago, they're not going to make that big enough impression to where they're going to scare anybody now on the Brooklyn Nets. They're now probably, when you look at the schedules for all these teams, if you see the Brooklyn Nets on your schedule, you're going to think that's an easy win. There is the very real possibility they will fall that half game that they're up on Orlando, fall now down to eighth. And possibly if Washington decides, hey, we want to go ahead and play, they can actually fall out of the playoffs. It's a small chance, but it could actually happen. Possibly happen. Well, the funny thing about the uh, Tyler Johnson is they ended up getting the guy they wanted four years ago for about $60 million cheaper. So that worked out in their favor that they didn't end up or that Miami ended up matching that uh, the contract offer. And who would have thought four years ago a guy signs a $60 million deal and then you can pick him up on the, the waiver wire in June? Still, still you know what, 26, 27 in that area? Yeah, he's still pretty young, yeah. So, you know, let's hope he can rebound his career because I think that – it was something like you said, he was, he was really hot that one year. I think that was, that was the contract year. That was 2016. Yeah. That was the big bump year that there were a lot of beneficiaries. I, I always say it as the Luol Deng, Timofey Mozgov year personally for, for Lakers fans, which I think Lakers fans want to just go ahead and, and just shake their heads when they hear that. But yeah, that, that was considering that they signed Mozgov like July 1st. Yeah, that was already preset. Yeah, he would have been available July 8th. (laughs) In fact, he was the first one I remember, like you said. First player, yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Absolutely crazy. But going forward, I think that Brooklyn is going to have a hard time trying to win any of the games in Orlando. And being that the case, there is a very slight possibility they could slide out of the playoffs. Now, mind you, even if they were at semi full strength they would still not have Kyrie they would still mm-hmm. not have Kevin Durant so they would still not pose much of a threat over Toronto or obviously Milwaukee if they went ahead and you know match up against them in the playoffs 
But still, at this point in time, it looks like it's going to be a little bit even easier for those top teams in the East, which makes it more concerning for for fans of Lakers and you know fans of Western Conference teams that they're going to have it so much harder than the teams in the East, or at least the top teams in the East per se. Yeah, it's um, just interesting how the season was basically a year ago. All the free agents that the Nets signed between. KD, Kyrie, well, not, yeah, KD, Kyrie, and then DeAndre Jordan, none of them will play for them during the playoffs this year. And then I would have never guessed for them to have a new coach also. I mean, I'm still kind of scratching my head over letting Atkinson go. That didn't make any sense to me. Just coming off so soon after the success he had the previous year, I'm mm-hmm. thinking that was, I know you're thinking too, that it was coordinated by two individuals that are on the team that are currently injured and that Durant and Kyrie probably just didn't mesh well with Atkinson's style of coaching. Maybe that's, I'm not, that's, I'm not going to say that's, that's the case 100%, but my gosh, it sounds sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah. And even if I'm Karis LeVert, who has a history of, you know, dealing with nagging injuries, if I'm him now, I wouldn't play. I wouldn't play at all. I'd um, I'd sit out and and I think people would understand, especially for him. I mean, even though he did, I uh, no, I think I thought he signed last year, the year before. I remember him signing a contract, and I, I want to say it was like three fifty two, and okay. I felt like it was low, and people were upset that he took such a low deal because he might have messed up the market for similar players, but. He took such a low deal because he had such a history of injuries dating back to college, and then he had the gruesome injury last year. So, yeah, if I'm him, I don't play either, and it just doesn't really make any financial long-term sense. So the question I should have now for you is if Karras does go ahead and back out and if Spencer Didwitty does back out as well officially, who will be the leading scorer on the team? My money is on Joe Harris, but who will be the leading scorer when they go down to Brooklyn? I think it's pretty much sure certain Joe Harris is going to be the number one option, which could be good for him going into a free agent year. I mean, he, he was expected to get paid handsomely this summer anyway. So if he can you know, look good as the number one option on the team, I think it will bump up his value even more. Either either him or I'd love to see Jared Allen. I'd love to see him get a break. Uh, I know. Yeah, I mean, I think he should have been starting regardless. Yeah. But, you know, they had to do what they had to do to get the, the two big dogs there. So I, I'd be uh, happy to see him play well and, and then maybe even put himself in position to go to a better situation. And that's one of the things I also wanted to talk to you about as far as going to Orlando and this situation, because you see there's all the teams about ready to go down there. It's going to be another week that they're there before they start really going and heading down there. But outside of Tabo Sebalosha, which as of our recording is the latest player to go ahead and say, he's not going to Orlando. There's not, uh, I don't want to say it's surprising, but there is a interesting amount, low number of individuals of players that are not that are saying they're they're staying home essentially it to me it's an interesting number i thought it was going to be a lot higher i thought there was a lot bigger rumblings 
heading into it. And I thought there was going to be a lot more individual players that were going to go ahead and back out. And maybe even some more important ones like Avery Bradley was. And now Spencer Dinwiddie is a possibility. He's an important player for Brooklyn. Karis LeVert, like you said, if he backs out, he would be a very important player for them as well. But there's not as many important players or there's not, not as many players as a whole staying home. Why do you think that is after all the rumblings that you both you and I heard over the course of the past two, three, four weeks? Well, it seems like the rumblings came from Kyrie, Dwight Howard, Avery Bradley, and I mean, Lou Williams was another name. And then I, I read today that Doc expects Lou Williams to be there. So it, while it seemed like a lot, it was really only like four guys. Also, at the end of the day, I just think the players realize that if they don't play, if enough guys don't play, it messes up the cap. You know, if they end up having to cancel the season, the owners can throw away the CBA. And if they throw away the CBA, it won't be 50-50 split in, in the next one. So I, I think just like anything in this country, and the only reason why everybody is going back to work is money. I mean, it's a... I think it's like a billion dollars or close to it on the line. And so I think it's a combination of, you know, the money, the, the financial impact, but also guys just want to get out the house and, and play. I mean, professional athletes are so used to having structure in their lives. And even though, even though everything is thrown off by this, they're used to going in the gym. They're used to playing. They're used to the camaraderie. They're used to being around teammates and it's, it was just abruptly taken away. So I think some guys just want to get back to that. That's a good point. A very good point. I mean, you've been around, uh, you know, some of these players and, and you, you know, you, you come to understand their mindset and you realize that this is, this is their lives. This is a mm -hmm. great part of their lives and that's what they want to go back to. And just the familiarity and the enjoyment. I mean, I don't know if you caught J.J. Reddick's interview on ESPN the other day, but he, you know, even a, a player at his advanced age in his mid-30s now, uh, just basically finishing up what is going to be a pretty good career overall, he mm -hmm. just wants to go back and play. He, he, he misses the excitement of playing basketball, even if it's in a controlled situation, even if it's in front of no fans. He just wants to go back there and play. And that sounds to me like a lot of these other players want to do the same thing as well. Yeah, I mean, it's something that they've been doing probably since they were six years old. And they're just used to playing. I mean, even now, guys that are on teams that aren't going to Orlando, I can guarantee you they're in the gyms now. They're playing. Even though their teams don't want them to, their teams prefer them being in the, the city where they play at in a controlled environment, but guys are playing. I was listening to a Gilbert Arenas podcast um, earlier today, and he was just talking about the NBA schedule during the season. And um, he said, like, by 12 o'clock p.m., you can be done for the day, and you don't have anything to do until 10 a.m. the next day. And you have plenty of free time if there's an off day. So guys are looking for... And that's just with basketball. So even now, when, if you take basketball away, and which was taken away from them in March, a lot of guys don't have anything to do at all. So, of course, if there's an opportunity to play, 
they're going to want to play. Which, it, it, I mean, I, I guess if I were a player too, I, I would too. I couldn't imagine just, I don't know. I guess we forget how competitive that these guys are. You know, in order for them to reach the level that they've reached in their careers, there's there's like a different level of competitive fire. And so I'm not shocked at all that guys want to get back out on the court and compete. I'm not surprised either. I mean, that's something that I think is just very well said. I just, I, I agree with you. I mean, these guys want to go out. It's their nature. It's competitive nature. It's what they want to go ahead and do. They want to go ahead and get in the mix once again, because they've been out of it for so long now for months and months, and they just want to go back into it, whether or not they have a chance for a championship or not. And that's one of the things I want to ask you is, okay, we're going into Orlando. Let's say everything stabilizes over the next couple of weeks before they head into the bubble. And then they head into the bubble and they play out the string. They're going to play around 70 games ish. Mm-hmm. And the only team really adversely affected by this to the point where they can actually have an argument is the Brooklyn Nets who was not expected to really do any damage anyways. So seeing that that's the case and let's say, hopefully, hopefully that there will be no massive outbreaks or major coronavirus or major injuries going forward during this process of the season and the playoffs. Although you and I both know that there's a very good chance that an injury or a coronavirus may happen. Let's say the the Lakers win the championship, or let's say Milwaukee, or let's say the Clippers, or any of the other teams that are going and win this championship. Should there be an asterisk by it? I don't think so. I don't think so. But why? I want to hear in your words why not. Because everybody is going through the same thing. It's not like one team has a bigger advantage over the other. Everybody is being inconvenienced. There's no home court advantage. There's there's really nothing that the Lakers can say that, well, or, or the Bucks or whoever can say, well, it, it wasn't fair for us, but it was more a better situation for this team. And the way I look at it is if we're going to put asterisks on championships because certain people didn't play, then is there one next to Toronto's championship? Because Durant, Cousins, and Clay weren't at 100%. The, the first year that Golden State won, Kyrie and Kevin Love didn't play. I don't hear anybody, you know, saying there's an asterisk by, by that championship. The year Cleveland won in 2016, you know, are they going to say, well, if Draymond played game, I think it was six or whatever, would that have made a difference? So at the end of the day, to me, it's it might even be tougher to win a championship this year than any of the year because, I mean, you have to be – I mean, you always have to be focused to, to win a championship, but I don't think there's been a year where a championship team would have to face as many obstacles as they would this year. But this is coming from someone who doesn't believe that the 99 championship from San Antonio deserves an asterisk either. And why is that, if I may ask? I mean, I just think that – I mean, what advantage did they have that another team didn't? You know, and, and also feel that if if you win a championship this year, maybe it was because your players found ways to work out when the season was canceled. Your players stayed in shape. 
and I've heard the rumors that the Lakers have been playing together and at the at the Jackson Center, but that wouldn't shock me. That wouldn't shock me at all if they've been playing together. I, <laughs> I mean, like, I know LeBron is going to come in in tip-top shape, and I think that because of the example that he sets, I imagine the rest of his team is going to be in shape. And so, same with Giannis. I mean, everyone knows and everyone has heard about Giannis's work ethic. So the only player that I've heard from the Bucks that probably doesn't seem to, I don't want to say not be in shape, but it seems to have his, I guess he would be the Bucks version of Avery Bradley is George Hill. And I think I've read that he made a comment about basketball shouldn't be on our minds or, or whatever. And I, and I could be totally wrong on the misquote, but I still feel like there's peer pressure involved. And so if you know Giannis is working, if you know LeBron is working, or you know whoever the team leader is on, on other teams in the league, whether it's Damian Lillard or, I mean, even J.J. Redick. I mean, I've heard stories from former coaches in Orlando that his work ethic is crazy. And so I think he sets the example. And I imagine some of the players in New Orleans, even though they're young guys, he's probably the type that's been in contact with them and making sure that they're prepared and they're working still. So, yeah, so I don't think there's an asterisk simply because everybody has the same situation. And if one team is not in shape, it's because their players didn't put in the, the effort to remain in shape. Because, I mean, I think everyone at one point knew the season was going to pick back up. And what Damian Lillard, I mean, he has been very vocal about his hesitations and about his, uh, you know, his concerns over going into this bubble. But I'm, I'm assuming that he's still going into this bubble with as, you know, as good a shape as he can be because he has a tremendous work ethic. I've seen and heard stories and I've, I've, I've seen interviews with people who have commented on his work ethic. So even though he's been very trepidatious about going into this bubble, I don't think there's going to be anybody saying that, hey, he's out of shape going in there because I think he is always going to put himself in the best shape as possible. And Portland does have a realistic shot of getting into the playoffs because they will be, what, at pretty much at full strength when it comes to that time, pretty much outside of Tre Trevor Reza, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think losing Ariza hurts. I felt like they were playing pretty good once they – established him as a small forward. I think I think losing him is 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 going to be big simply because if they come back at with a lineup of Lillard, CJ, that means Melo might have to play the 3. I don't know who's going to play the 3 for the Blazers if Zach Collins is back at the 4. And so if you have a lineup of Melo at the 3, I think his natural position in today's NBA is a 4. And so how big is Simons? It's like six three, six four. Okay, so you, uh, let's, you know Gary, Gary Trent could could be an option there. Yeah. But I mean, Ariza has championship experience. Yeah, of course. He's a three and D guy. So I think losing him really hurts. Um, it is it may sound weird to say. I probably would have never thought I'd say this, but I think losing Ariza is bigger than losing Melo if the roles were were reversed. But the Blazers should be healthy for the most part. Um, Collins has been cleared. But the, 
I mean, I, I think Collins' natural position is a five anyway. I don't really like him at the four. And so, I mean, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see because you have Whiteside, Nurk is supposed to be back, and Collins is, is supposed to be back. So, to me, that's three guys at the five spot that are expected to play minutes. Curious to see how they play the rotation. But, um yeah, I just think the Blazers are thin, especially without Rodney Hood, which you know we knew we weren't expecting him to play anyway. Yeah, we just don't have a lot of depth at, at the small forward spot. You got to feel though for Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, of course he makes a ton of money. He had that that great season that set him up with that big contract. Then he basically played his way out of Miami, and Bam Adebayo played his way into uh, you know a really good role with the team. But he really stepped up this year because of the injury and it was a pretty good move for Portland to get his services and he's, he's performed well, but you know, when it comes back to time and you were going to start playing basketball games again, I have a feeling that Hassan Whiteside is going to be short. You know, he's going to be on the outside looking in. I think they're, they're going to play him just because he's been healthy and yeah, I think they'll, they'll, I think they're going to play him. But he won't start. Do you think he'll start if there's a healthy? Yeah, uh, I think so. But I can also see your point of view because most people aren't expecting him to be in the Blazers' long-term plans anyway. Yeah. So um, I can see that. he's a free agent, I think. Isn't isn't that correct? Yep, he's a free agent because he signed in 2016. Yeah. He signed a a four-year deal. And I think – Conley and Batum are the only players that signed five-year deals, so they're still they still have another year. I remember, I remember Batum. Yes, and, and unfortunately, so does everyone else in Charlotte. So we're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. That is by far my favorite because it's also character-driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it. A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past 10 years. Catch our shows on radio worldwide seven days a week or at any time on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on over 30 more podcast outlets. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Well, speaking of pay, happy Bobby Bonilla Day, my friend. July 1st. (laughs) Correct. Reason why we say that he is getting paid due to his deferment payments from the New York Mets. A little over a million dollars each and every year till 2036, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I read he'll be 72 once he stops getting payments. That's a smart man indeed. Yes, that's a smart man. I love the memes that I've seen today in honor of Bobby Bonilla Day. So happy Bobby Bonilla Day to you and everyone out there. But getting back to the, the, the actual play as is in the NBA with it set up right now, I don't think there should be an asterisk. Let's, mm-hmm. let's just put that out there. Because like you said, 
yeah, they're not playing the last 10 to 12 games of the year. But then again, the last 10, 12 games of the year for a lot of these playoff teams are pretty much, okay, I'm going to sit out. I mean, first it's the Clippers. Let's take the Clippers. Of the last 12 games, let's just say it was a regular season, how many do you think PG and Kawhi would have sat out? Well, I think it would have depended on their seating. If Denver or or Utah or who's ever, I don't know. It seems like the season was so long, I can't even think of which teams were third. But I think Denver was third, and I don't even know who was fourth. Was it Utah? Well, No, it was actually anyway. – isn't it Oklahoma City? Oh, no, they're fifth. They're fifth. Utah's fourth. That's correct. It, it, it changed every day yeah. with, with one well, win They're so one close ball. together, yeah. Yep. And so I think that depending on how close those teams were, and then also the way the NBA – set the schedule up now which i think was smart on their end was they knew like some of the teams are going to be fighting for playoff seating so you're going to have like dallas houston play the last week of the season i'm sure there was um you know all games between teams that are expected to go to the playoffs fighting for seating so like on one hand i could see them sitting out there guys but then i also think that it would have depended on how close they were because the way the West is, and which the way the West has been for years, you lose two or three games in a row, you could lose your home court advantage. That's true. That's very true. But but I've also heard to- people say that the Clippers, it wouldn't have mattered to them getting home court because if they were going to face the Lakers in the conference finals or in any round, they would have had seven straight road games anyway. I, don't I did think hear people been- say that. Yeah, because you're right. They're going to have se- Lakers would have seven home games, but I don't think it would have bought our Clippers whether or not they fell second or third. I really don't think that they're the type of team that would have mattered. I think they would have sat out Kawhi and PG maybe a couple of those games. But I'm saying is there are other teams that probably would have done the same thing as one. Well. The last 10, 12 games of the season, depending on where you're at in the standings, could have very well played an effect on that. Then you have the playoffs, and then you have the championships that are being played in an environment that's totally different from what anything else we've ever seen in the sport of basketball. This is something that I've not seen ever in the NBA. And to suggest that this should have an asterisk, I think it's disappointing for people to say that. The only way you could say that is if a, a mad case of coronavirus hits a team and they would be extremely shorthanded or a rash of injuries then I could see that that you know maybe uh, I'll give that to you. But even if that's the case, I think when it comes down to it, that the NBA wouldn't allow that to happen because they want they want a premier showcase out there. And let's say Milwaukee versus the Lakers, and the Lakers had so many you know six seven people out because they just contracted coronavirus. I don't think they would allow that type of you know uh, finals to happen. I just think that if it sets up accordingly the way you and I hope it does that whoever becomes a champion should not have an asterisk by their name. Yeah, I've been watching basketball um, throughout the world the last few weeks. So I've watched games in China. I watched games in Israel and even um, the ACB. And I think Germany is still playing. But they haven't had, I mean, they haven't had any issues with players, you know, catching the virus or whatever. And... And they're all in, in somewhat of a bubble format also. So I don't think 
the NBA should have an issue, especially is it especially if guys are really going to to be in this bubble. So I, I can't imagine a situation where multiple members of a team end up, you know, having COVID if especially with this bubble situation. And I think that's the reason why why it's there is to obviously prevent people from going out and interacting with people outside. So I think they'll be fine. Well, it's so funny because you say that and we go back to Damian Lillard and he has some doubts that all these players are going to be on their best behavior for all those weeks in the bubble. So he is not as confident again of the, once they get into the bubble that it's being going to be controlled as well as the NBA hopes does because some of these players are just going to go ahead and put themselves at risk by trying to sneak out, et cetera, et cetera, you know, head out into a different direction as far as maybe, you know, while someone's back has turned and head out to maybe go have some fun for a night or whatnot and come back into it and get people infected. I'm hoping that's not going to be the case whether or not they wear the, the proximity rings or the, you know, whatever else devices they're, they're doing the, to track or monitor or whatever they're doing for these players that, that are voluntary. I'm hoping that's not the case. And I think for the most part, especially these playoff teams, they're going to take it rather seriously. Well, here's my question I would like to ask Dame, and that would be like, okay, well, where does one go? So, I mean, do you call it Uber? <laughs> So if you call an Uber, then it's going to be obvious that a van or, you know, car service pulls up to the hotel and you leave. Two, where can you go? Like if you're seven feet tall, I mean, or are you just going to go to the mall in Orlando? Someone's going to snap a picture. And you know that happened in Israel. A couple of the American players broke quarantine. I think Amari Stoudemire has been fined twice. And it's like 30,000 shekels, which is like 8,000 U.S. dollars. So that's probably just pennies to Amari but he was fine because I think his son is out there with him and he went to the grocery store which is valid reason you know it's, it's a necessity but he got caught because they were taking pictures I think another player um, was walking his dog or something like that he went to the park to get some fresh air and how they ended up getting caught was because you're obviously going to stand out if you're a professional basketball player and someone's going to take a picture and it's going to get out. So I think maybe if one person does sneak out, I I imagine that it's going to get back to the league pretty fast. You're right. I've, I've actually uh, met Amari Stoudemire in person. Uh, he is, what, 6'10", 6'9", 6'10". So, yeah, he, he, he stands out in the crowd. He stands out in the crowd. Yeah, like imagine like JaVale McGee just – going somewhere in Orlando. He can't hide, you know? So someone's going to say, oh my God, there's the Bill McGee or, you know, snap a picture. So I think this is where technology ends up policing the players. Yeah. Well, I hope that's the case. Although, if anybody leaves, my guess is the Lopez twins. Because you know how big (laughs) Disney fans they are. (laughs) And they would definitely, <laughs> they would definitely get caught. I mean, how often do you see two seven-foot twins? <laughs> so that that would be all on social media. They are Disney super fans, and if you're not familiar yeah. with them, as far as how big a super fans they are, 
they actually return merchandise, which they thought was sold to them legally on the up and up by a Disney employee, which was actually stolen merchandise that was stolen from the inner archives of Disney World, uh, which were used on displays and whatnot. So they are really into that buying Disney memorabilia. I mean, even more so than just going and stopping by the Disney store. I think Brooke actually has a home on the Disney World property where they have homes there that you can buy. So you know, he can't even stop by and hit his own fridge. So oh, <laughs> he'll wow. be leaving I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think it's Brooke. I don't think it's Robin. But yeah, both of them are humongous Disney fans. And it, it, you know, if there's anybody that's going to be... Although I, I, I think, according to what I've, I've read, there is a possibility that they're going to on one of the days, section off uh, a you know a portion of the park and make it accessible to the NBA and its families only. If that's from what I understood, that's one of the things that they're going to do. Upon also as well getting a sneak peek and ahead of time at the Black Widow movie, which makes me angry because I want to see it. I want to see it. You got to get a, a media pass. <laughs> you know, actually, that's I somebody asked me that the other day, and I said. Because of the different circumstances, I would. But you know what I do? While I was there, I would write a book about my experience so I could go ahead and and detail it. I wouldn't be just there just to report. So make take advantage of that unique situation. But that's that's just me. That's just me. But I'm not being asked, so unfortunately, I can't go. My my family would say, "Bye bye, have a nice day, have fun in Orlando." I would get like 500 Mm -hmm. questions a day from my daughter, who's a Disney freak as well. So. That's that's beside the point. Uh, but I want to get back to what we're talking about. You know, it, it, the, I think you're right. Uh, no, no team that goes through it. And if they get a fair shot against other teams that are just as competitive as they are, that are just as in a state of health as they are, it should not get an asterisk. It should not be known as a, anything substandard because this is a new, unique situation. And you're in an environment where you don't have that uplifting moral support and extra adrenaline you can get from 15,000 screaming fans. So it, to me, cause you know, you've, you've heard it and you've heard these players and you've experienced that you get that uplifting momentum when, when 15,000, 20,000 fans go wild about something that you just did and it can happen and it can change the course of a game. Both teams feed off of it negatively and positively. So you don't have that in that environment in Orlando. And I think whoever can come out on top, definitely should be commended for doing so because you don't have that distinct advantage of going ahead and playing in front of your home crowd. Yeah. And like I said, I've been watching games in different parts of the world and it looks weird at first, but once you, you know, get a few minutes into the game, it's just, it's just basketball. Guys are playing hard. The only question I have, which could happen Regardless, it happens towards the end of the season anyway, and we've definitely seen it happen in summer league. But I, I do imagine like some teams are just going to <laughs> they're going to be ready to go, and the games aren't going to be competitive. Well, that's I one thing that, I want to I want to ask you on that. Let's say Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. Devin mm-hmm. Booker would probably be the first name if anybody told me a first name of a player that would be affected by this, because Phoenix is on the very edge of of elimination. And he is their best player. If you're Phoenix Suns, do you just pull him? Do you send him home? Does he actually get his full paycheck for doing that? I'm not. I'm not sure how that works. Well, one you have to, because 
Devin Booker is represented by CAA. CAA was ran by Leon Rose. Leon Rose is now <laughs> in charge of the Knicks. So I think any little thing that Phoenix does that could potentially irritate Devin Booker is going to start Booker to New York rumors. <laughs> so I think you have to do whatever he says. If he says, you know what, I don't want to play, then you just say he has a pulled hamstring and, and you don't play him. So I think whatever they do, even though he's he still has probably like three or four years left on his deal, I just think that there is this recruitment phase that they're going to have to go through until he signs an extension. But I would say Bradley Bill. If if you say Booker, then my next guess would be Bradley Bill. Well, Bradley Bill, see, I would have told you that last week. But then we've seen the situation with Brooklyn. And that, to me, is very interesting. Yes, Washington has lost a key component in Davis Bertans. But I still think if everything falls the way it does, it could actually get close to the point where you know, you might be talking about Washington sneaking in as a number eight seed. As Well, yeah. Well, right now they are like five or six games out. That still would be pretty tough. Actually, five and a half games out. Well, they have to get to four. Within four. Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah, it's about, well, yeah, because, uh, well, from the Nets, they're six and a half games out from the Nets. And they still got to uh, catch Orlando. Orlando's in the eighth spot. I mean, there's a there's a chance, but I mean, if they lose their first two, and I haven't seen their schedule who they play first, then I think it gets it gets pretty tough. Well, fair enough, fair enough, my friend. Once again, I'm talking to Rafael Barlow from the NBA Draft Junkies. You got to check out what he's doing today at NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube and also NBADraftJunkies.com. But before we head on out, my friend, I want to ask you this: when it comes to J.R. Smith, he hasn't played in the league two years, but I want to ask you this. Can he still be a viable option? Can he still play a role on the Lakers? I'm not asking for 35 minutes NBA Finals, J.R. Smith. I, I, I'm just talking about can he give you 15 minutes, get in that zone for a sec, two, three, three-pointers, get the team ignited, hand it over to the starters, and there you go. To me, I think that he can play that, but I'm not sure, like I said, two years out of the league, that's kind of tough getting back into normally, although he will have time to go ahead and work out with the team beforehand. Yeah, I think JR is going to be a contributor. No matter what, if he's on the floor, he provides gravity. And that's something that, you know, anytime you play with LeBron, you need shooters. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I really don't see him having any issues adjusting. I think that if he's not in tip top, game shape then who is because nobody's played in you know since march so i think that kind of helps him out now i would say he would be at a bigger disadvantage is if the season went on its normal pace and then he got signed right before the playoffs which you know can't happen anyway but he got signed late then i think he would be at a, a bigger disadvantage but as of now i just think the playing field is kind of even for him in a sense, as far as just conditioning and, and shaking off being rusty. So I think that he can come in and contribute. And I actually think that he'll play more than waiters. Really? Just Yeah, just because 
I mean, I, I think Waiters and LeBron is an odd fit anyway. And I don't know how many minutes they were planning on playing them together. But I think JR's game is better suited to complement LeBron. And so I could envision JR getting late minutes towards, you know, towards the end of the game because that's his role. He is a shooter. He, like I said, he provides spacing and gravity. I think Waiters needs the ball in his hand a little more. He needs to dribble, dribble, dance, and kind of be effective. He can't shoot, but he's more of a scorer than a shooter. Why? I feel like JR is more of a shooter than a scorer. And when you play with LeBron, you have to be able to space the floor, knock down open shots. And so, like I said, if JR is on the floor, you're not going to leave him open. Just his reputation alone is going to provide spacing. Well, I agree with you on that assessment that JR can play with LeBron. Obviously, we have documented evidence of that. I also have documented evidence of LeBron getting mad at J.R. Smith on more than one occasion, including a famous one in the finals, which we don't want to dive too much into. But Waiters, to me, I think is a key on those minutes when LeBron is off the court. And you're right. Waiters obviously wasn't a good fit with LeBron before because LeBron uh, may or may not have asked Cleveland to go ahead and trade Deion Waiters. I believe for J.R. Smith, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. I can't remember exactly because JR came from New York and then I think Waiters was sent to Oklahoma City, but it could have been a three way deal. It, it, it seems like it was like 10 years ago now. <laughs> but, but you're right. But you're right. Waiters and LeBron is not a great fit because they do similar things. Well, uh, LeBron does a higher level, but they have a similar type of play style. But in those minutes that LeBron needs to get a rest, I think Waiters can fill a role in that. I think if not, it's a must time for Jr. Dion, and Markeith Morris that all three have to find some functionality and consistency on the floor for the Lakers when they're asked to go ahead and play because all three are at a crossroads in their career. If Markeith, Jr., and Dion Waiters don't perform at a consistently decent level, they may not get many more chances in the league after that, especially Jr. because he's pushing 35. Dion, mm-hmm. because he's been pushing a lot, he's been pushing a lot of people's patience. And that's also, as you know, once you start testing those waters adversely, gummy bears aside, once you have all those issues with teams, you're going to be persona non grata, as we've seen before in the past. And with Marquis right. Morris... I mean, it's just a simple fact that you were doing so well in Detroit in your limited amount of games that you played because you were injured. What happened between the point where you can't be utilized properly when you're playing with LeBron? Because LeBron should make your your shots easier. In theory, he should make your shots a lot easier. So how does the fact that you can't perform at the same kind of level that you did in Detroit, how does that come into play? Because, again, in theory, LeBron should make your job a lot easier. And if he doesn't play well, it will make me wonder uh, how serious was the neck injury that he had. It doesn't seem like he's been the same player since he had that injury. So that would that would be my first question. But the biggest question I have is, and maybe you can answer this question, what do you think the Lakers' rotation will be? It seems like they have, you know, in the playoffs, the rotations get short. And they in my opinion, it seems like 
they can go 10 deep. And this is even without Avery Bradley. So I'm curious to see who is the odd man out. I know we've talked about which big is going to be the odd man out because we expect Davis to see a lot of minutes at the five, especially closing games. So I'm just curious to see, like, what do you think their eight-man rotation will be in the playoffs? Or do they go 10 deep still? I think they're still going to go nine, maybe 10. Uh, but the thing is, are these players going to be at the level you need them? Because they don't come off the bench and they don't, for the most part, score 20 points a game like Harrell or Williams do. That's that's the thing. But they provide they – provide, they, they don't necessarily need to, but they just need to go ahead and produce at a decent level. And I think you have a lot of very you – you have a lot of very good players, very decent players coming off the bench for the Lakers. No highs, no real lows. Maybe Rondo, but we won't go there. But you don't really have the the you know the, the standouts like you do on the Clippers, but you have a consistent line of players that you could throw out there that might be pieces that, that will fit that puzzle a lot nicer than maybe what the Clippers have. Because the Clippers – after you get by Williams and after you get by Harrell, you don't really have that great consistent line. Reggie Jackson, is he going to be able to do it for you? You know, what do you have left on the Clippers that is really on the off the bench going to do it for you? So I have a feeling it is going to be a little bit longer rotation than what you would normally see in the playoffs. Because I agree with you, it, it, when it comes to the playoffs, you usually shorten up your rotation to your best seven or eight. But at this point in time, you could see nine or ten still left with the Lakers. And I'm not sure if that's the best thing. I think there's going to be a lot of times where the Lakers are going to be trying. They're going to throw like a lot of darts. I'm going to say, I'm going to throw out Caruso there and see what happens. Okay, Caruso is giving me five, ten minutes. Can get it done. I'm going to go ahead and throw a Deion Waiters out there. Okay, he gave me five, ten minutes. Couldn't get it done. I'm going to throw JR. I, I really think that the Lakers have a lot of options, which is good. But I also think that it's going to be hard for them to find any cohesion coming off the bench. That's what I'm concerned about. When it comes to the rotations, you're right. There's not going to be that regular with the Lakers. I think it's going to be a, a little bit muddled coming out. And I'm not sure if that's always the best thing in mind. Right. And I'm wondering, like, I mean, for these last eight games or however are left in the quote-unquote regular season, do they use those games to – make sure everybody gets in tip-top shape, or are they using those games to figure out their rotation? So I'm really curious to see how many minutes LeBron and AD play in these last few regular season games. And then you also have three guys that you may expect to be in your rotation between Morris and Smith and Waiters, all clutch guys, that haven't played together and don't have any chemistry as far as just playing i mean waiters has he played i don't even know if he's played this season uh, i think he so played waiters. two to three games for the heat this season yeah so he hasn't played much jr as you mentioned hasn't played in a couple years and then morris i mean how many games did he play for the lakers four or five i think tops so he really didn't get a chance to get a, a rhythm going mm-hmm. and he didn't look good in any of those games as of yet and he had a shortened season already with Detroit because he had injuries. So Yep. So I mean it may be good for him because I, I think now he he should have had enough time to 
to heal his injuries. But I do think that whatever injury he had, I think it was his neck, if I'm not mistaken, or even in that that area, the neck shoulder area, it didn't seem like he was healthy when he was playing. So hopefully with this extended break, it allowed him to to get healthy. I hope so, my friend. And as a Lakers fan, and and obviously this is a Lakers-centric podcast, it's it's something that we want to see. I'm just like I said, when you have all these really cool pieces, I'm wondering which ones are going to fit. And it's going to take a great job by Frank Vogel to go ahead and understand which pieces fit when at which time. If they end up cutting the rotation, you may have one or more of Dwight Howard, J.R. Smith, Deion Waiters, or Rondo not getting minutes. How does that affect the chemistry of the locker room? And thankfully, LeBron is the leader that everyone respects and that if there's anyone that can hold it together, it will be LeBron. But I think even one of those guys not playing is going to be a story. These networks like stories. So I imagine Dwight gets a DMP. How many times is the camera going to be focused on Dwight Howard when he doesn't play? So I think that could end up possibly being an issue because I imagine one of those guys, or maybe two, possibly three, as the series go deeper, as we get deeper into the playoffs, might be out of the rotation. The Lakers are going to be very interesting because they have, at least up until this point, the best chemistry of any team in the NBA from what I'm seeing. Yep, I I, I agree 100%. But the chemistry will be tested with these playoffs. Before we head on out, I got to go ahead and get an update from you on what's going on with NBA Draft Junkies because it is the place to go. And you've got your great new addition, Joe Gomez, giving you a hand. I'd love to hear what you and Joe got cooking up down the road. Yeah, we'll probably do another video coming up on the small forwards. And then we already do it on the point guards. And then, like I said, we'll do the positional breakdowns. And I'm in negotiations right now with my agent trying to find me a new team to uh, take over as a general manager. It's between a couple teams right now. So once I get that figured out, then I will announce which team that I'll be in charge of fixing their rotation through the draft. So, yeah, I mean, I plan on doing all 30 teams and I was hoping to do all 30 before draft day. So I got to at least pump out like two or three a week. So it's going to be a challenge, but I, I plan on making it. There you go. Getting the suits, man. Getting the suits. It's going to be the hard part. Yeah, but, you know, it can't go wrong with black. Just got to switch up the ties. There you go. There you go. Styling indeed. I'll tell you what, it's always great having you aboard, my friend. Rafael Barlow, once again, from NBA Draft Junkies. You got to check out what he's doing today. NBADraftJunkies.com. NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, and also his great podcast. Of course, it's called NBA Draft Junkies, and you can get it today on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please make sure you give him that five-star review, just like us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. If you have any questions for Raphael, he's at Barlow500 on Twitter. We're at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter. Or if you got one of those old-fashioned emails you want to send to us, Lakers Fast Break at Yahoo.com. Well, awesome again to have you aboard, my friend. Looking forward to our next conversation coming up next week right here at the Lakers Fast Break.